This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Lobby, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am joined on today's podcast by Scott Patsko and Ellis Williams, and we take a whole bunch of texter questions. We're going to get right into that. Uh, welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And this, of course, is the newly coined Texter Tuesday. Uh, I have not accomplished much in life. Calling this Texter Tuesday is one of the few things I have accomplished. So we're going to go with that. Um, So we asked for uh, our texters to send in questions a couple hours ago before we recorded this. Uh, And so we got a good amount of them. And we're going to talk through them. Some of you sent multiple questions. Some of you sent non-football questions, which is fantastic. We're going to go through some of those, at least the ones that we're able to actually get into. Uh, But before we do that, just a reminder, this is every single day, uh, this podcast now, every weekday, five days a week. Uh, You got to make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, search Orange Brown Talk Podcast, and you're going to get a new one of these every single weekday. And a little later here in the show, I'll tell you how you can get involved in Football Insider as well. We're going to have a mock draft, actually. Our uh, our texters, our tech subscribers are going to be making some picks. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But let's get started here. Uh, our first question, somebody sent in multiple questions. And it's a percentage question. And Ellis, you, Mary Kay, and I talked about one of these guys a little bit yesterday. Um, so I, I'm curious to kind of hear what Scott has to say about it as well. So we'll start with you. Can you put a percentage uh, on the Browns maybe signing Jadavian Clowney? And, and what would you think of that? Wow. I would, <laughs> you know, I, I did a poll today uh, asking people what they thought about Clowney replacing Vernon. And, um, you know, people weren't really uh, keen on the idea of, of signing Clowney at 20 million per year. Uh, a few more were okay. Uh, if it was below the, the 17 to 18 million we saw reported recently. But even then, man, I'm putting that percentage, I think, lower. I, I'm i not sure. I think they go a, a more affordable route unless they do get him to come down way below the 15.5 million. There's, they're on track to give Vernon at 30%, 25%. I think I'd probably go that that low. So would you put a percentage for Trent Williams, which was the other question, would you put a percentage higher or lower on that? <laughs> At this point in the offseason, I'm going to go super low. I'm going to go like yeah. 2%. I think okay. if that was going to happen, it would have happened. There is set up so well to get a left tackle in the draft. I don't see the point. 
Uh, Ellis, what about you? I, obviously, we spent a lot of time on Clowney yesterday, so we don't have to spend a ton of time there, but just a percentage maybe on both of those guys. Yeah, um, I'm falling in line with Scott here. Both of these feel relatively low. Um, just kicking the Clowney idea around uh, last night and furthermore this morning, it just seems like that's a bigger investment than, in my opinion, the Browns should be comfortable with, uh, the money as Scott already laid out, and then just the years you'd have to commit there rather than um, going on these one-year deals like the Browns have been doing defensively. Uh, we mentioned the compensatory pick market yesterday also, which I think is intriguing with Olivier Vernon, assuming he plays and stays healthy. That's a guy that probably – uh, gets you a third round pick coming back. And I know a lot of these pass rushers are fouled in the first and second rounds, but you know, you just never know. And throwing a dart at a third round pass rusher next year to replace Vernon um, gives you a cheap replacement who then could play above his value. You just, you just never know. That's what your scouts are for. That's what your draft room's for. And you hope the Browns have that. So I'm more interested in letting Vernon play out and then finding a, a compensatory pick for him and replacing him that way. As for Trent Williams, um, again, like Scott said, it, it feels low if something completely agree if something was going to happen it would happen by now but I will say this you the Washington could change what they're asking for and then that changes this whole conversation of course so if they naturally come down that reopens the conversation and that wouldn't just open the mark the conversation with the Browns I'm sure you know 31 other NFL teams would then become interested in a blue chip left tackle if the price goes down so I agree percentage is low on both these guys, I, would, I wouldn't go over, you know, 15% for either of these guys to give you a number since that's what we're looking for. But if the numbers, if, if what Washington's looking for goes down, then I think the Browns are right back in this. And then for whatever reason, if Clowney keeps depressing his value on the market, then the Browns are right back in it again. These things are so fluid as we talk day to day. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have too much to add, honestly, as far as those percentages. I think those sound about right. And when it comes to Trent Williams, you know, I keep coming back to – one, you you can find your left tackle in this draft for a long time. And, and two, you have so much money invested in this offensive line already. And Antonio and Treader, uh, both have recently signed extensions. Treader signed an extension a few months ago. You just signed Jack Conklin. It, it seems hard for me to imagine they want to invest even more money uh, if they trade for and extend Trent Williams. Okay, let's talk about wide receivers here. This is always a topic. Um, and uh, the question here is, what are the Browns' plans at wide receiver with their number one and number two receivers coming off surgeries? Are they confident both will be 100% by the time the season starts? So uh, I'll go first here. I think this is one of those actions speak louder than words moments. And the fact that the Browns have not been active in the free agent market when it comes to receiver, the fact that Rashard Higgins is still kind of hanging out there, uh, tells me that they're pretty confident both these guys are going to be ready to go. And with Odell Beckham Jr., that was always kind of a two-month recovery so I think he was always going to be ready to go even by OTAs if he decided to show up and if they were happening. And as far as Jarvis is concerned, that's a little more iffy just because you might be looking at the middle of August. But we've seen Jarvis working out already. And if anybody's going to be ready to go by the time the season starts, even if uh, his process is a little shortened, I, I think it's going to be Jarvis Landry. And then, of course, there's the Kareem Hunt aspect of all of this. They're really desperate at receiver. Kareem Hunt is a guy that can be a solid wide receiver for them and never mind the fact they want to play tight end. So Ellis, as you look at this receiving core, are, are you fairly confident in these one, these number one and number two guys they have? Yeah, Dan, I think you nailed that one. Um, if the Browns were concerned, they would have brought in a veteran guy by now or, you know, someone on a one-year deal sort of like they have 
been doing defensively to clear up some uh, looming holes. I think the anticipation is that both these guys will be healthy. Look, if the Browns duos, duo receivers proved anything last year in Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, it's that they're tough as hell, and they're going to play through injuries, and they're going to play hurt. Also, if we look at Kevin Stefanski's history of the wide receiver position, uh, last year Adam Thielen missed a handful of games. I want to say it was upwards of like eight, half the year. Really, Stephon Diggs carried the Vikings receiving core, and then they filled in with you know tight ends and running backs, much like you suggested with Kareem Hunt. Uh, going forward, I think their number three receiver would have been like their sixth leading receiver or something like that when you go look through the stats. Um, and then years before that, um, Thielen was always a healthy one, and then Stephon Diggs would miss three, four, five games in between like that. So Kevin Stefanski is used to having one receiver that can carry the load. Right now, all things considered, he has two, and he, they'll navigate that those waters as they go. I do think that they're going to have to bring a rookie wide receiver in probably this year, probably later in the draft, um, and just start grooming the replacement, as we've all been, I've been saying uh, when it comes to Odell and Jarvis. But for the short term, I think that fans can believe in these two, for sure one of them being healthy by week one, if not both. And then Kevin Stefanski's track record has shown that he doesn't need three, four deep wide receivers to have a, a fluid and a potent offense. Yeah, Scott, where do you kind of stand with this receiving core? Yeah, I think you both kind of said it. If uh, you, know, you, you look at free agency to kind of give you hints and the fact that they, they didn't bring in anybody beyond someone who's clearly going to be a returner uh, in JoJo Natson, um, you know, that, that tells you that they're pretty confident that both guys will be back. Plus, similarly to where they're, they're set up with tackle in the first round, they have three picks in the next two rounds, and it's a very deep wide receiver class. Um, you know, if they're, not, if they're not happy with who they got on the roster behind uh, Odell and Jarvis, they could certainly address something there. Um, but as we saw last year, you know, they, it, was a, it was kind of a, a storyline that kept going uh, throughout training camp. Who's going to be uh, at the bottom end of that receiver chart? And then it turned out to be nobody, really, <laughs> because they went out and got uh, Taylor and uh, Canero Hodge at the last minute uh, after cuts were made. And, and those guys were tacked on. Um, you know, plus you had the suspension and Higgins ended up getting hurt too. Um, the suspension for Callaway. So um, everything remains fluid, but, but yeah, I would look at free agency and say they feel confident because they haven't brought anybody in. Uh, okay. This is why I love Browns fans because uh, they never forget uh, a draft prospect. So we're going to go to this question and, and we've thrown this guy's name around a little bit at right guard. Uh, the question is, what are the Browns' expectations for Drew Forbes? It seemed like the previous regime really liked the guy. I'd like to know what Callahan thinks of him. Now, we haven't had a chance to talk to, uh, to Bill Callahan yet uh, as far as his thoughts on a guy like Drew Forbes. But, you know, if we're going to throw some names out there at right guard, I, I suppose Drew Forbes could end up being a guy that, that gets a chance to compete there. Right, Scott? Yeah, I think uh, I did winners and losers after the first wave of free agency, and I made Drew Forbes a winner yeah. simply because they didn't bring anybody in specifically for that guard spot, which kind of keeps him in play. They still have Wyatt Teller, who started the second half of the year, um, but I don't know that he did anything uh, to where you'd say, yeah, he locked that position down. Um, I, uh, one of the things that I remember when I talked to Joe Thomas last week, it stood out, was I think I asked him about the zone blocking scheme and if that helped – high deficiencies and he said definitely um you know there there were broncos teams uh uh that that would use that scheme and they were just you know five guys who on their own didn't really stand out as uh, as anything special but together they all worked great so maybe you know you, you stick someone like teller back in there and everything's fine this year with the scheme but i think uh you know the fact that they didn't 
go out and get somebody uh, to come in and specifically play right guard speaks uh, – well, it works in, in Forbes' favor. Now, after the draft, you might be saying something different. You know, maybe they pick up a guy in the in the third round, and you know he's the guy going in. But right now, I think Forbes has as good a chance as anybody. Yeah, yeah was, go ahead. Go. Yeah, I think to, speaking to that point, in the NFL, you're looking for availability, productivity, and then essentially longevity. Now, due to health and whatnot, there's been no availability, which then, of course, hinders productivity. But like you said, Scott, longevity, the fact that he still even has a roster spot really speaks volumes of what this staff thinks of him. But again, to follow up on Scott's point, this all could change in the draft. He could just be really a placeholder and then someone else comes along and you're, you know, you're only as good until you're not useful anymore and then you're gone in the NFL. So I think he's on this roster for a very specific reason because that is really the only question mark on the Browns offensive line which is really turning into probably one of the better offensive lines assuming assuming that 10 overall pick ends up being what we think it's going to be at left tackle so right now it looks like he's going to be in competition for that spot but until you know these middle of the rounds get taken care of it's, it's hard to know for sure okay the, this is a comment from uh this this will kind of get us into the discussion maybe about the draft and the virtual draft and how, the, how they're doing this here but Gary in Arizona says um, why can't NFL teams fly in a small number of prospects to interview in person? All the buzz about the draft is not getting in front of prospects. I believe it can be done safely, keeping in mind the six-foot social distancing rule, along with other protocols. All these owners have private jets. Uh, it's more costly, but it might be worth it because they're, you're going to pay these guys millions of dollars, especially the high picks. So, you know, I, I guess when I look at that question, I, I understand what, what Gary's getting at, but I think it sort of reminds us of the reality you know, I, I see the governor of Ohio, of course, Mike DeWine, continues to drive home that if you come in from out of state, he wants you to quarantine for two weeks. And, you know, you're, you're trying to make sure that everyone is on a level playing field. And there's so many different factors that kind of go into trying to pull off this draft that, you know, even flying in one guy on a private jet seems like it would be incredibly complicated, uh, just sort of in the with the things we're dealing with right now. You can be as safe as you want to be, but one person that you brought in ends up uh, being diagnosed with coronavirus, and suddenly that's that's a national story. And and now you've you've created a situation where you've uh, infected somebody, you you've exposed other people to this person. Nobody wants to be the reason for somebody getting sick. That's why we don't have NBA or or baseball. That's why you know we. There's so many restrictions on what NFL teams are doing right now. Nobody wants to be the cause of that, so everybody's being extra careful. So I don't – you could think you can think hypothetically that would work, but it's still too risky in my mind. Uh, Ellis, what are, what are your thoughts about um, sort of how all this, this draft – the draft process is playing out, and now we're going to have this virtual draft? Yeah, it, it – we all – it seemed like it was headed here and then you read the report this morning and it just, it still doesn't feel real. Uh, these general managers, head coaches, scouting departments, they're turning into a bunch of Madden players now and operating what may feel like a fantasy draft. It's going to be fascinating. And quite frankly, we're probably not going to know really all the ins and outs of how this draft ended up working until a couple of years down the line when people can really report and research this. Um, I'm sure they're just trying to, do the best they can and make it up as they go. Um, that terminology, making up as you go, is not what anyone wants to hear, but I think that's the reality of the situation. Uh, as for that idea that Gary's floating around, I will say this. 
uh, none of us here as we keep repeating our health experts and that's what's really so can be worrisome or maybe in good faith uh, comforting about these times is we have to put our faith and trust in the experts and all we can do are follow their guidelines and stipulations and one thing to build on that that I don't think um, either Gary or any of us are realizing is Sean Payton of the Saints tested positive for COVID and I realized that was a couple weeks ago and whatnot but let's say they do allow some people some players to fly in and private jets owners all that good stuff I mean this what the Saints are just held at a disadvantage because Sean Payton can't be around anyone and that's just one case you know I'm, I'm not sitting here and trying to say anyone's sick when they're not but they don't have to come out with these positive tests and maybe some organizations are dealing with some things in, internally we just don't know but considering that one NFL head coach already has tested positive I just don't see how you could bring anyone into a facility and give the opportunities to these players for some sort of normalcy um, when one team would be at a clear disadvantage so it's, it's a fine idea but we have to trust the experts here and that's why we're looking at a virtual NFL draft. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing, the other part of this, uh, aside from safety, is that everybody needs to be on a level playing field. So you're going to have yep. people just sitting at home to doing this draft, uh, which is going to be really interesting to watch at the end of the month. Uh, before we get to the last batch of questions here, we're going to do some quick hitters there. But first, I want to tell everybody about Football Insider, which is where we're getting these questions from. Uh, of course, this is Texter Tuesday. Uh, we're going to have a Texter mock draft coming up. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about how it works. You go to cleveland.com slash Browns. You click on the banner at the top of the page, or you're going to be able to text a number I'm going to give you at the end of this read here. And me, Scott, Ellis, Mary Kay, we text you a few times a day with the inside scoop and analysis on the Browns, what we're hearing. And we give you news sometimes before it happens and analysis on that news almost instantly. Uh, there's a football insider newsletter every single morning. It's only for insiders. This stuff doesn't show up on the website anywhere on cleveland.com. It's a take, a video, a stat. Uh, I told you yesterday that Mary Kay and I both wrote about Jadavian Clowney in, in recent ones. Scott, uh, you mentioned your interview with Joe Thomas, and, and you saved part of that exclusively for the newsletter and, and sort of how Kevin Stefanski's offense would look. He, he shared a little bit of that with you. And Ellis, of course, uh, you talked about the draft and maybe acquiring a middle linebacker and, and how the Browns might go about doing that. And as I said, it's really the only way you're going to be able to get involved in this and get your questions on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. There's a 14-day free trial. You can cancel anytime, and all you have to do is text to cancel. You won't want to, though. We've got hundreds of subscribers. It continues to grow. It's $3.99 a month after that trial's over. Uh, and you should join now because we always see growth, right? We saw growth at the coaching search, growth, growth now around the NFL draft. You should get on board. It's cleveland.com slash Browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page, or you can text me 216-208-3965. Again, that's 216-208-3965. Okay, so I've got a list here of questions from our Football Insider subscribers, and I'm going to go up the list here. Uh, we can do quick answers. We can expand a little bit. But here's the big one, guys. Uh, some of these are not football-related. What shows have you been binge-watching since we've been working from home? Obviously, working diligently. None of us have much time to binge-watch, I'm sure. Uh, I'll start off here. I'm a little behind on this one, but uh, I know a couple other beat writers really were fans of Narcos, the original Narcos, so I'm, I'm almost through season three on that. And then we've actually fired up a little bit of the, uh, I don't think the show's on anymore, but Brooklyn Nine-Nine, 
the uh, the Andy Samberg show, which is a classic. We, we've kind of been working our way through that here. So that, that's sort of where I'm at binge watch wise. Uh, I've actually gone uh, a little bit of old school. It's not even on a streaming service right now. I actually had these saved on my computer, the Drew Carey show, like oh, the boy. first five or six seasons when it was good. Um, I've been, I've been rolling through that. Uh, it's great. It's, you know, Drew was all about uh, promoting Cleveland on that show. Uh, and it, it was a funny show. So I've, I've really enjoyed going through that. Yeah, for me, I am late to the party. Um, big fan of Parks and Rec. And then I, some of my friends in upstate New York, shout out Saratoga Springs, were like, well, if you're a fan of Parks and Rec, then you must love The Office. Well, lo and behold, I had never watched The Office before. What? Yeah, I know, right? I deserve it. I deserve any sort of pushback for that. If anyone wants to stop listening or reading my work, I do not blame them. Uh, I was missing out on some gold. So I'm uh, halfway through season two right now, and I'm, I can't stop. Probably after this podcast, I'm going to just keep rolling through them. It's incredible content, and I'm ashamed I'm this late to the party, but better late than never, right? Well, I, I can tell you at some point, uh, we'll probably start Parks and Rec back up, too. That, that's always, that's always go a go-to when you're kind of sitting there like, I don't want to watch anything too intense. Let's, let's go yeah. with this. Um, okay, we're going to give a little advice here. What have you found that helps you work best from home? What did you have to do for audio, video, et cetera? Now, we're, we're kind of lucky we all have laptops. Um, this honestly would have been harder like five years ago, I, I think, even. Uh, we're, yeah. we're doing this on Zoom right now. but. Um, I guess my, I don't know. I'm really bad at working from home. I kind of just, I'll do something and then I'll kind of go away from it and then I'll come back and it's just more about getting done what I need to get done. But um, what are you guys doing here? I prefer working from home. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> I When I write, sometimes I'll just get up and walk around because I got to think. And it looks weird when you do that at the office. You know, just get <laughs> up and just start walking it's nowhere in particular. Um, and, uh, you know, you go fold clothes for 10 minutes and then something hits you. Oh yeah. All right. Then you're back into it. Um, I don't know. And just the nature of our jobs, we're not really working in the office as much as people who cover news on a daily basis, I guess. Um, so this isn't a huge change for us as sports writers. Um, so, but for me individually, um, it's just been more of, of what I'm used to. Um, although I, I do at times feel trapped here at this point, but, uh, but working from home is cool for me. Yeah, Dan, I think uh, you made a great point about how difficult this would have been even just five years ago, and we probably should give a shout out to just the IT departments everywhere, and it's gonna be fascinating how these NFL teams, going back to the NFL draft, how their IT departments handle um, this virtual draft and really this virtual world we're all living in now. Um, and much like you guys, I'm hunkered in a basement trying to do the best work <laughs> I can. Um, Scott. Kudos to you for being disciplined enough to be able to work from home like that. I fall more on the lines of Dan where I didn't mind coming to the office just to, you know, get out of my apartment and uh, be in a, what felt like a workspace and then I can do some writing. But, you know, we have to readjust here now. And um, like I said, locking myself in the basement, putting some headphones in and just trying to distract from the uh, distractions at home, which we're all experiencing now is, is really all we're doing. But again, it's one day, one week at a time as we all adjust to these new experiences, you know? Yeah, that that's the one thing. It's not, I'm not home alone right now, though. That, yeah. that is a challenge. I have, you know, kids and, and, and a wife here and and they're not usually here when I'm working, you know, so that is a challenge a little bit. Yeah, I've uh, I've been part-time math teacher today, so <laughs> so I've had that going for me. Yeah, I mean, for us, it's a little weird because we don't really 
you know, we're at the team facility during the season. We're usually working from home in the off season. So this, this is kind of normal for us right now. Um, you know, I, I sort of enjoy that freedom of working from home, but I always have to kind of make sure that I have a, this is what I have to get done today. And it might not get done between these hours, but it's going to get done. Uh, so yeah, yeah. And quickly, have, I have wanna, that list. <laughs> couldn't agree more, Dan. And quickly, I want to say, um, you know, I'm, I'm only 26, uh, no kids, but to all the parents out there, you guys working full time and serving as math coaches and PA teachers and all that good stuff. You guys are just kicking butt and uh, really are deserve your own line on the hero wall here. So um, kudos to you guys, because I, I can't imagine, but you're doing a great job. Okay, you guys don't have to come up with three for this. We can kind of come up with three collectively, but th this was a fun question. What three members of the current Browns organization would you most like to be quarantined with? I'm trying to, I, I've kind of been, I saw this one like an hour ago and I've been trying to figure out who it would be. I mean, there's a few guys that have left the organization that would have been no brainers. Uh, players, I mean, who, who wouldn't have wanted list? to be, yeah, I think players are on the yeah. list. I think anybody, I mean, because who wouldn't have wanted to have been quarantined with Freddie Kitchens? <laughs> exactly. Um, I think, I don't know, Sheldon Richardson. I would nominate him. Yep, that might be a good one. one. That's a good one. Um, I think man. I'm ready. I think I think I got I think I got my three. Here we go. Okay. Oh, you have three. Yeah, I think I got my three. All right. So first, I'm gonna go with head coach Kevin Stefanski. Uh, he's in Minnesota right now, anyway, <laughs> so he's not even that far away from me, even though we we live in uh, different cities and whatnot. Um, I think our Minnesota connection and uh, th through a mutual family friend, we'd we'd be able to spend some time together. I know he likes a, a couple course lights, as we saw at the. Uh, in Indianapolis, you know, so we could have a couple beers. I think we'd be all right. Uh, second, I'm going to pick Nick Chubb. The guy, he, he doesn't he doesn't really talk to <laughs> us anyway, so, you know, he's not really going to bother anyone. He keeps himself. I'm sure we could play some video games. Uh, we're around the same age, so I'm sure we could kick it in that way. And then shout out to the PR team of the Browns. I'm going to go with Dom, who was an intern oh, last Dom. year. Dom, isn't he the man? So shout out Dom. No idea if he's listening, but uh, intern last year, now was hired on full time. Thank goodness. Uh, congrats to him. And yeah, I think he'd kick it well with me. He actually showed me my barber in Cleveland. Um, so really saved me when I got out there. So I owe him a, a few, uh, some downtime there, but I think that'd be my big three. Stefanski, Nick Chubb, and PR Dom. I think that that'd be a good kickback. Wow. Coming up with three on your own. <laughs> Scott, you got anybody? Uh, Swagger Jr. I think, uh, that's, <laughs> that's who I'd probably pick. Um, you know, easy to get along with, uh, pretty much sleeps all day, take it for walks, you know, pretty laid back. <laughs> I like that. Uh, we had a question about Kevin Stefanski and playbooks. Um, basically, the, the quick answer there is they can send some iPads and things to guys, and uh, they're, they're still kind of working out what this offseason program is going to look like. It looked like it would have started on Monday for the Browns and all the other teams with uh, – uh, with new head coaches and it would start two weeks up two weeks later for every other team. So uh, uh, they, they can send some stuff to the players, but they're still kind of working out on, on how this virtual off season is going to uh, is ultimately going to look. Let me see here. Let me find one or two more. I don't know if we, I haven't watched enough. There was a question about Ozarks. Uh, I've only watched two seasons of it. So I, I haven't started season three yet. That'll probably end up on my list. How about this preseason question? This is an interesting one. Um, if they do actually have a preseason this year, you know, re remember last year, the Browns didn't play their starters much, didn't play Baker very much. Uh, do you guys think Baker 
maybe should play more in this preseason? Or do you think that Kevin Stefanski is just sort of let, going to let Case Keenum and some of the other guys get the bulk of the reps there? I think it depends on how the uh, the offensive line looks <laughs> during training <laughs> camp. I mean, you, Baker was running around a lot uh, in the preseason. I remember the, I think it was the Tampa Bay game when he was out there. Yeah. And it was just open season on him. Um I think he did the one drive against Washington that looked great. Uh, but I think it'll probably have to do with how well that offensive line gels. If they feel confident, if they think they have a great group there, um, I, I think you play them. I don't, you know, you're installing a new offense. You got uh, a lot of people learning new things all together. And I think having everybody do that in an actual game setting is, is going to help a lot. Yeah, I think, of course, it's going to come down to what Kevin Stefanski prefers in his uh, way he views the preseason, the way he values it. And we just don't know because he's never been a head guy. He's never had to make that type of decision, uh, who's dressing and who isn't. So it will be interesting to see. I think Scott makes a lot of good points about the state of the offensive line. And then just, you know, he's going to be the one running practice. If he feels like these guys are ready in practice, the joint practices go well, then you may not need to see as much in the preseason um, but that, that's going to be an interesting thing to follow. I don't think necessarily the preseason reps translate to week one success, uh, but it's just going to depend on where he lands and how he thinks the team is picking up that scheme. Uh, last question here. Uh, th this one has to do with uh, neighbors. I don't know what kind of neighbors you guys are. Uh, this person asks, when you were able to talk with your neighbors, what was the most frequently asked question? Scott, you brought up the, the Drew Carey show, and I'm, I'm thinking of the – kind of the 90s sitcom thing now where there was always like a neighbor or you know, what was the one with Tim Allen where they had the neighbor behind the, the fence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. For, for me, I'm the neighbor that's really bad about mowing my lawn. So it's usually not a conversation. It's usually just sort of a, a glare or something. Come on. <laughs> I've mowed my lawn like three times and you haven't mowed it once yet. So that's, that's sort of how it works with me. I have such different neighbors right now. Um, <laughs> I have neighbors that, you know, we've, we've watched their pets on one side. I have the neighbor on another side who is upset when a ball goes in, in the yard. So it's, it's very different conversations on each side. Um, one, we don't really interact with much. One, we, we do uh, a lot. But right now it's weird because we can't really interact with anybody. But um, I will say I'm the same as you, Dan. That grass does not get cut nearly as much as it should. Um, but I do have a teenage son, and uh, we're trying to uh, kind of cycle him into this, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to retiring from grass cutting sometime in the near future. See, Ellis, you don't have that problem at, uh, at Crocker Park. Yeah, yeah, no problem. No problem like that in Crocker Park. I love apartment living. Uh, no reasons to deal with any of that. I, I do miss my neighbors in Crocker Park. Uh, obviously, most people listening are very familiar with how great that area is. And all things considered, I hope the businesses there are finding a way through this. Um, as for my neighbors in Minnesota, I'm actually out here on, on some land. We grew up on about five acres. We're a little bit more on the country. Um, so I, now that I'm a runner outside, in a way, I do more jog sprint type stuff. But I went to go for a run the other day. And at the end of the, my driveway, um, some horse poop just there from the neighbors. They must have been taking, they've got horses around here and they took them for a walk. And I guess when a horse has to go, a horse has to go and you can't tell them to get to the side <laughs> of the street or whatnot. So um, I had to dodge that. And when I go for my run later today, probably going to be dodging it again. So I've got great neighbors, but sometimes the horses go where they want to go, right? Yeah, I, 
I, I should say there, there's absolutely no chance that either of my neighbors listen to this. I do have two great neighbors, the glare thing. I'm just <laughs> kidding. He's, he's never glared at me. And on the other side, we have this great dog. Shout out Rory. Uh, she's like the best dog ever. That's not my dog. So uh, yeah, good neighbors uh, that we don't see very often right now. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Textures, you guys came through. You gave us great questions on football, life, TV, all that stuff. Uh, so we certainly appreciate all of that. We'll do it again uh, next Tuesday as well. So for Scott Patsko and Ellis Williams, I'm Dan Lobby. Thanks for listening, everybody.